Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and Living Local. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and I'd like to introduce our host of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Okay, good morning, and welcome to another installment of Business Talk. Uh, We have a very interesting, timely show for you today. Uh, The subject is cybersecurity, cyber attacks, ransomware attacks, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Certainly a subject that's been in the news lately. Uh, To talk about it, we have with us Charlie Christensen. Uh, He is the president of CMD's Technology Group in East Long Meadow. How are you, Charlie? I'm very good, George. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thank you for being on. Uh, Certainly, uh, like I said, a timely subject, something that's on the minds of a lot of people, uh, especially those in the business community. Uh, We want to just talk about how these events that we're seeing on the news and reading all about uh, places that are far away and businesses that are much larger than the average business in this area, how these same issues and problems apply to them. But before we get there, tell us a little bit about your company and what you do. Um, So we'll we'll know. CMD is an IT solutions provider. That means we uh, help companies with really all of their technology needs, network, servers, desktops, um, phone systems, you name it, we can help you with it. Um, We've been in business for almost 35 years uh, here in East Longmeadow, and uh, we deal with uh, primarily small to medium businesses, uh, a couple of municipalities, and uh, our range is really all of New England. Mm-hmm. The security has become a growing part of your portfolio, I'm, I'm sure. Yes, um, it's it, it's becoming a larger and larger part of what we do on a day-to-day basis than ever before, mm-hmm. uh, especially within the, the smaller companies, uh, smaller to medium companies. Uh, that felt as though they didn't uh, make a attractive target. Uh, that seems to be changing dramatically and quickly. Well, I think the uh, headlines of the last couple of weeks have shown that there aren't any unattractive targets anymore. But there's still a lot of business owners who think that this is something that happens to someone else, someone much bigger, someone that can write a check to cover a million or $10 million ransomware amount. Right. Um, they figured out a while ago, George, that uh, it's a lot easier to make a lot of money hitting a bunch of soft targets than it is working extremely hard to try and take down a big target with a lot of resources to protect their assets. So you mentioned the magic words there, the words that I'm intrigued by, soft target. Uh, sounds obvious what makes somebody a soft target, but uh, not necessarily the size of the company, I would imagine. But but what goes into that phrase, soft target? Um, primarily, it's it's you're right. It's not the, necessarily the size of the company, but it's the resources they have to protect it. Um, you know, it does tend to lend itself towards smaller organizations. Uh, ones that don't have the sophisticated systems or the full-time personnel, uh, you know, standing there watching the network 24-7. You know, one of the interesting, I was doing a little bit of research right before we jumped on here, 
one of the interesting ones I saw was uh, Apple, uh, who got indirectly dragged into one with quant from quantum computers uh, a month or so ago. And basically what happened is Quanta, who's a really big company and as a partner of Apple's, uh, got hit and extorted for about $50 million. And they turned around and they said, no, we're not going to pay it. Um, obviously, they had systems in place to recover. Um, and as a punitive measure, they leaked several uh, blueprints for new designs of Apple products. Um, so it's not just a matter of the money. It's also the damage they can do uh, to these, these companies where they can get in and actually get the data out. And when we talk about soft targets, um, you know, it's the systems that are in place that allow people to uh, kind of impose their will on a network. Now, we talk about Western Massachusetts and we talk about it being a, a home to a lot of small businesses. Uh, small businesses defined by any business under 100 people. Uh, in this market, that's probably 95% of the businesses. We've got a lot of businesses with 10 and under. Uh, those kinds of businesses don't have an IT team. Uh, they may not even have an IT person. And if they do, that person is probably doing a whole heck of a lot of other things as well. Is this the kind of soft target you're talking about? Somebody with not a designated yeah. IT team or even an IT person? Or Absolutely. You know, where you have a, uh, maybe a savvy, a technology savvy person uh, who's doing their best to uh, – either secure the network or just keep systems running. Um, but again, the size of the company doesn't make these attacks any less devastating for those that are involved in them um, because they, they literally bring companies to their knees, um, you know, and can take them down for days or weeks. Now, when you and I talked earlier, you uh, talked about how to – whatever word you want to use for these, I guess manage is the word that is the best to describe what companies need to do when it comes to cybersecurity and, and cyber attacks. They need to manage them both before they occur and after they occur. And when you talk about manage, uh, there are layers to this management. I think you used an analogy to an onion in that there are many layers that companies have to get into. You want to talk about this onion analogy and the sure. layers that are involved? Uh, we use this example a lot when we're when we're doing our uh, webinars or our trainings. But you know, security you can you can equate it or think of it like an onion, where at the very center you have an asset, and that asset, let's call it you know it's your data, and you're trying to protect that. So there's no one magic product or service or person that can stop these people. So what you try to do is to put as many layers between the threat, in this case, the, the hackers uh, running ransomware attack, and that asset. So a layer might be education of your staff, which is probably one of the most important things you can do. Uh, then another layer might be a uh, properly configured business class uh, firewall that inspects traffic um, and, and can and runs gateway antivirus 
anti-malware. Um, you know, another layer would be your, you know, your endpoint desktop software. Another layer could be how you secure your remote, your remote users on a, a VPN concentrator or, um, you know, running it through some kind of a, a, a third party hosted built set of filters. Um, act, you know, if you're running something like 365, Office 365, you might run advanced threat protection so that it knocks off the bad emails before they ever get to your mailbox. And then if it thinks it's a little squirrely, it doesn't pass it on. It gives you the option to look at it in a sandbox and where it's safe before you accept it. Um, so all these things are like layers that will hopefully catch this before it ever gets to your network. Talk about the training and the education for a minute. And most of this involves watching for those phishing emails, uh, looking for something that looks suspicious. Now, these used to be a lot easier to spot a few years ago. Now they're getting much more sophisticated. Talk about that and talk about what goes into this training. Well, I mean, training can take, take a lot of different forms and it depends on the organization. But um, there are many different products out there now uh, to use as a tool to educate your staff. Um, one that we use frequently is called Know Before. And uh, what's great about it is it's, it's just really simple. It, you provide the user with a, a video about a particular topic. Uh, then there's a follow-up quiz. And if they pass the quiz, that's fantastic. You know they're paying attention. If they don't pass the quiz, then they get put on a track to learn more. Um, but it also does testing. You know, it'll send out, um, you know, socially engineered emails that look like something that'll entice somebody to click. And you can gauge whether people are paying attention or not by whether they click the the email, the link in the email, but it, it changes behaviors. Um, and after, you know, a few months of doing these things, people start to realize, you know, I shouldn't click on that link to anything before I think about what I'm clicking on. You know, just hovering over that link and seeing what it really says or over that email address just because it says it's from somebody doesn't mean it's from somebody that you know. You know, you can click on, you can hover over it and it'll expose what the email actually is. Or if it's something unusual, you know, you know, uh, my buddy Joe's asking me for uh, my banking information. Well, that's kind of strange. Why would he want that? Um, you know, or with the example we talked about the other day with the IRS, the IRS is never going to pick up the phone and call you and ask you to pay a bill. They're going to send you, they're going to send you some kind of a, a letter or they're going to send somebody to your door. Charlie, talk about backing up information. Uh, there are many ways to back up. Some are more effective than others. Um, remote backing up is, is probably more secure, or certainly more secure than just backing up uh, what's already attached to your system. But uh, Talk about the most effective ways to do this. Sure. Um, well, there's a couple of different things that we, we employ frequently with our, you know, again, small, medium customers. Um, so there's, you know, the very first thing we do 
is, uh, you know, set up a traditional backup. You know, if you're not doing a backup, you're better off doing something local uh, than nothing. But the problem is, is if it's not encrypted and it's not disconnected from the system in some fashion, when a ransomware comes through, not only will it encrypt your computer and every uh, shared folder on your network, but also any locally connected drive uh, that has files on it. So you can't count on that backup. So then the next step is to look at one of the third-party hosted backup systems where you do an offsite backup. Basically, these generally work with a uh, some kind of a software agent that gets installed on your computer and then automatically on a schedule backs up your computer, your server, whatever device it is, to a third-party service out on the web. Um, that information is encrypted so that it, it can't be accessed by the ransomware. Um, and then you can do that once a day, many times a day, you know, sometimes down as low as 30 seconds. Um, another strategy that is used uh, more frequently now than before is the use of replication. Um, replication doesn't substitute for backup, but what it does allow us to do is to have um, entire copies of servers on a secondary device that we can turn on at will um, if something happens to the primary server. Um, the, the good thing about it is it's very, very fast uh, to recover. The bad side of it is that it is attached and is subject to being encrypted itself if you don't catch it quick enough. So it's, again, it's like using that layering approach. You know, it's not just one form of backup. It's, mm -hmm. it's having um, different types of backup to address different risks and requirements that you have. So let's say someone gets through all those layers, and that's been happening a lot lately. I guess the question on everybody's mind is, uh, should that ransom be paid? Um, or should we try and hold out and not pay that ransom? Uh, we've seen, like I said, some big numbers being paid out in Bitcoin lately, Colonial Pipeline and uh, oh, yeah. that meat company. Uh, those are big checks. They're, it's not checks, it's Bitcoin. But um, yeah. I know you hate to see people pay that ransom, but sometimes what's the alternative? I mean, there may not be. Um, but, you know, the, that is just the beginning of the cost if you pay the, pay the ransom. Um, in the cases that we've seen over the last several years, every single time somebody pays a ransom, they come back looking for more. And basically you walk around with a target on your, on your back because they want you. And they have frequently have a way in. Um, they know where your weaknesses are. The other thing is, is that, you know, you, you can recover that data by paying it and unlocking it, but you have no idea what they put into your data. You know, what did they leave behind? Did they leave a trap door so that they can get in later? Do they still have control of your network and you don't know it? Um, you know, frequently the only way you'll ever really know is to you know, strip everything down 
and start all over, you know, reinstall everything from scratch, recover your data, hopefully scan the heck out of your data and, and hope that it's really clean. Um, but, you know, these guys are really, really sophisticated. And in some cases, they're state actors. And, you know, compared to those of us that have to uh, put up the good fight, they have unlimited resources and time. You know, they, they only have to be right once. We have to be right all the time. Right. So your phone is ringing more often than it was uh, a few months ago, I assume? Uh, yeah, we're getting a lot of inquiries about um, protections uh, against ransomware, uh, especially in the wake of the colonial uh, pipeline that definitely brought it back to the forefront. Um, but it's interesting. People that are asking these questions previously were more resistant to the idea of uh, having to take the steps necessary um, to harden it. You know, they, they now see that they have to do it and it's a necessary, necessary evil. And many of these are smaller companies, you know, 25 users, 10 users. Um, you know, what do I, what can I do? Right. Uh, is usually what the question is. What can we do? Okay. Well, I hope that you can help them and help them understand that onion analogy and the layers to the problem. And uh, hopefully we won't see any companies in this region in those headlines moving forward. So Charlie, thank you for coming on. I, I hope your words uh, inspire business owners to take the steps that they need to take. Uh, this is a problem that isn't going to go away. And it's probably only going to get worse before it gets any better. So good luck to you and good luck to them. Thanks, George. And if we could impart one thing to, you know, business owners and, and leaders, it's that the cost of being hit far, far outweighs the cost of, of getting things right without prior to being hit. Um, yeah, we all agree. We understand it costs money to do things, but um you know, it, it pales in comparison to the damage they can do. So okay. thank you, George. Oh, no, thank you again. And thank you to all of you for tuning in to another episode of Business Talk. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West Magazine in Springfield. Uh, we'll see you next time on Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. We'll see you next time. <laughs>